Hello and welcome to the next in our Law Behind the Headlines podcast series. I'm Peter Ward, a legal director in our Waitman's National Disease Team. I'm joined today by Richard Burroughs, Principal Associate also in our National Disease Team. Uh, so today we're going to discuss all matters relating to PFAs, including what they are, whether we should be concerned about them and what steps are being taken to protect us from them if needed. So without further ado, welcome Richard uh, and thanks for joining me today. So there doesn't seem to be more than a couple of weeks go by without there being another article in the news about PFAs, but what exactly are PFAs? Thanks, Pete. Uh, PFAs are man-made substances and they're used in industry and consumer products and have been for a a number of decades now. Uh, PFAs actually stand for perfluoroalkyl and polyfluoroalkyl substances, but it's much easier to refer to them simply as PFAs. I'm going to continue to do so throughout this podcast at least. Um, So PFAs were first discovered in 1938 and they were first um, used on a widespread basis in Teflon. And they're now commonly found in non-stick cookware, water repellent clothing, stain resistant fabrics and carpets, certain cosmetics and firefighting foam. Um, They're commonly known as forever chemicals because they don't easily degrade. Therefore, wherever they're found, they tend to just simply accumulate because they don't break down. The production processes involved in the creation of PFAs and also the use of the same can cause PFAs to migrate into soil, water and air, so outside of the products themselves. Uh, I'm going to stick with calling them PFAs as well, as I don't think I could uh, pronounce the full name, so well done for that. Um, But what are the dangers associated with PFAs? Uh, Now, I'm aware that in general, they aren't good for our health, but how serious are the consequences uh, of a significant buildup of them? Um, There's various adverse consequences um, if PFAs are ingested in any sort of significant amount. Um, They have been known to be associated with a variety of different cancers. Um, PFAs in cosmetics have been said to double women's risk of diabetes. Uh, They've also been connected with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. uh, And they're also thought to have been connected with certain fertility issues. Uh, And it was only reported, I think, earlier this week that also um, PFAs are, um, are connected with high blood pressure in middle-aged women. So um, there's a a variety of different um, consequences arising from them being ingested. Uh, The difficulty with PFAs is once they have been ingested is that they tend to attach themselves to the proteins in blood, uh, which means that they can transfer to pretty much the entirety of your body um, because obviously blood um, is present across your whole body. Uh, And this problem with PFAs, is it something that's just linked to those countries that use them or is it more widespread than that? Yeah, so there have been traces of PFAs located in in polar bears at the the different poles. Um, So they have been found across across the world now. And it seems to be that their transmission by way of water, um, so in the production process, if they seep into rivers um, and the the processes involved with, with, with water, transporting across the earth uh, is one of the reasons why PFAs have spread so widely. Um, One of the ways that people come into contact with um, PFAs has been drinking contaminated water uh, and this can also include eating fish which have been caught from water which has been contaminated with PFAs and also eating food which has been packaged in material that contains PFAs. So this, in addition to people coming into direct contact with PFAs from consumer products which have been packaged or themselves directly contain PFAs, uh, is, is, is how they've sort of transported across the world. So it's not just in countries where these um, products are used. Uh, now, you said that PFAs were first discovered in 1938. So it, 
seems a bit strange that it's only now we're, we're seeing so much attention given to them in the news and the obviously seemingly quite concerning side effects arising from them. Is there any particular reason for this? I think PFAs fit the, uh, the category of emerging risk perfectly. Um, we've been aware of them since about the 1960s and how they affect the human body, uh, but it's not until recently that regulators have developed technology to test for PFAs at very, very low concentrations. And when we refer to low concentrations, we mean parts per trillion. So it's only now that being, it's now been found in the 21st century that some products contain very, very small traces of PFAs. So it's also important to be aware that simply because a product contains PFAs, it isn't necessarily a significant risk. The level found can be um, extremely small and, and can be innocuous. It, it, it's more when these PFAs build up that they become more dangerous and have these adverse consequences attached to them. Uh, so how has the world responded to this increased research or, or rather awareness of PFAs being in a wider range of products than was perhaps uh, first appreciated? Um, as with the majority of emerging risks, Pete, the, the US appears to be a few steps ahead of where we are in the UK. And so the United States Environmental Protection Agency has produced a, a PFA strategy map, a strategic roadmap. Uh, they've set out a commitment to action by 2024, which is focused on research, restriction and remediation. So their focus is on researching to understanding PFAs. They want to restrict the movement of PFAs from entering air, land and water at hazardous levels. And they want to remediate by broadening and accelerating the cleanup of PFAs contamination to protect human health and ecological systems. As well as action being taken by the US state authorities, large corporate organisations such as McDonald's and Burger King have also made a commitment to remove PFAs from their packaging by 2025. Uh, the EU has set out a restrictions roadmap, which was published in late April, and this outlines the European Chemical Agency's intention to reduce the use of PFAs. As of yet, the US response is unclear, sorry, the UK, but it would be hoped that we would follow the example being set across the pond in, in the US and also on the continent in the EU. Uh, so until we have some UK regulations to govern the use of PFAs and, and set out our own response to the dangers presented, uh, is there uh, anyone particularly at risk from them in the UK and could we just avoid them altogether? Uh, it's slightly nigh on impossible to avoid, avoid PFAs completely, but as I mentioned in relation to the recent developments in technology, simply because you are encountering PFAs doesn't mean that you are doing so at hazardous levels. Some research has shown that frequent blood donations can help to effectively flush out PFAs from the human body. It's estimated that for a human body to reduce the level of PFAs within it by half can take between four and 15 years otherwise. Perhaps one of the most at-risk groups is children, holstered furniture and other items that children would come across on an almost daily basis. One of the most recent examples of the tracing of PFAs in products was in car seats in the US, where over half of car seats in the US market were said to contain either toxic flame retardants or PFAs. All car seats for sale are under, under $100 had either PFAs or toxic flame retardants within them. So unfortunately, as appears to commonly be the case, there appears to be socioeconomic factors in play, which put those with lower incomes at increased risk from those substances. Uh, so final question, um, how do you anticipate that PFAs will affect the claims market going forward? And do you think we're likely to see a surge of PFA related claims in the UK in the near future? Um, at this stage, even in the US, it appears that there is only increased awareness of 
um, PFAs rather than any sign of a, a wave of claims arising from the same. I think that what we'll see in the coming months and possibly years is an increasing number of products connected with PFAs and an increasing number of organisations seeking to reduce the use of the same. This quite clearly will not negate the exposure that people have had in the years gone by, but it will at least be a step towards protecting future generations. As to claims in the UK, whereas in the US we may see potentially class actions brought against firms who have produced products contaminated with PFAs, the legal system in the UK is completely different, and we would see individuals bringing individual views, uh, but this would likely need strong and persuasive medical evidence to support any link between the very small traces of PFAs that are being reported now and any ominous consequences arising from the same. Uh, well, well, thanks for that, Richard. That was really interesting to understand exactly what PFAs are and, and the risks associated with the same. Uh, and I think it's certainly one to watch for the future and something that we'll definitely keep our eye on at Waitman's. Um, finally, it just remains for me to uh, thank everyone for listening today uh, and do keep an eye out for the next in our series of podcasts on Law Behind the Headlines.